Hello, everybody. Here is Copenhagen. We welcome you all around the world for our annual result report for 2018 and the Q4 2018. Let us come to the key highlights. We had the highest order intake in six years, and since several years, the first time that revenue is growing to the year before. We had a quite strong performance in mining, and the steps to improve profitability in cement are taken. And on the uh, not so positive side, we had a low free cash flow. If we then look into the market, mining remains at a good level and we have a stable outlook for cement. The guidance for 2018 we fulfilled and we have a guidance for 2019, which actually at the low point of all the free KPIs is higher than the result for 2018. We propose a dividend of 9 kroner per share. Important in all the meetings is to talk about and to show our performance for safety. We had a target for 2018 to be below 3.2 of the TRIFR, the number of recordable injuries per million working hours. We delivered a 3.0, which is better than in 2017, and shows a further improvement out of the last few years since 2013 with a very well-performing organization. The target for 2019 is to be on or below 2.7. And of course, our ambition is to have no injuries at all in the business what we do. Another element what we are proud to present on quarterly and annual reports is our innovation. This time, we bring a kind of a software. It's the Blend Expert. It's a software where we analyze the pile, the storage, the stock of material, raw material, out of the pit, out of the quarry, before it goes into the kiln. Why is that important? You can imagine if you have a homogeneous material going into the kiln, your activities in the kiln, how you fire up, which means energy, and how many emissions you produce, as well which kind of quality of cement you produce out of the kiln, is equal and homogeneous, which makes it very predictable. And with that, you save money by less energy uh, consumption, by less emission, and a predictable uh, quality of the cement, which of course impacts the price for the cement what you sell into the market. This is another element of the added value, what we bring into the industry in our digital journey, what we actually are on for quite a while. Now into the figures. Quarter 4, 2018 versus quarter 4, 2017. We had 57% of the revenue out of mining with a very good 12.4% EBITDA. The return on capital employed is below 20%. If we then look into cement, the EBITDA margin was not satisfying on 5.4%, but with a return on capital employed quite far above the 20%. If we look into the capital structure versus the service, we had 52% out of capital business, predominantly out of minerals, and 48% out of the service business. Then into the order intake. You see here on the left side an overview of the order intake from quarter 4 2016 to quarter 4 2018. The order intake was 7% down versus uh, 2017. At the right side, you see where it comes from. It is uh, the non-repeat of a large order in cement in quarter 4, 2018. There we had a minus 33% order intake. Mining performed well with a plus 15%. Both order intakes in cement as well as in mining actually performed very well on the mid-sized and smaller orders. And we see over the last few years that this share in our business increased. Then to the market outlook. We look into mining first. 
um, the demand for mining equipment and projects remains at a good level. We have a sentiment, we have a situation out in the market where we have relatively low levels of stock of commodities around the world with increasing utilization of commodities. That, of course, combined with um, a very good dividend uh, pay uh, competence as well as cash flow competence on our mining customers gives that quite a reasonable good level of mining activities. The activities are predominantly in copper and in gold, but other minerals like lithium, nickel, and coal, and iron ore are actually quite okay. If we then look into cement, there, the same as before, we have significant regional differences. There are only a few tenders for large orders out, but as you saw at the beginning of the year, we had two announcements of larger orders, which were not coming into the fourth quarter, they ended into the first quarter. And it shows um, that there are pockets of activities, geographical areas where cement business is actually quite good. For both industries, the OPEX-related spend and especially the productivity scheme is very important. On top of that both, we have to mention here that we of course see and recognize the global uncertainty related with macroeconomics. We don't see at the moment, actually, that we have an impact on any of our industries in, into that. But we have to admit, in when we look ahead, and this uncertainty would increase, of course, it can have an impact on the industries where we act in. Out of that, um, to the financial performance and to last. Thank you, Thomas. And... Uh now that we start to go through the, the numbers for 2018, uh, we'll start from the top. We had a good uh, growth in order intake. So we, uh, we had uh, 21.7 billion versus uh, 19.1 the year before. So good momentum in, in order intake driven by mining, as Thomas mentioned. Revenue was up uh, 4%. And, uh, of course, you can see there is a lag from uh, order intake into revenue, which we'll come back to later on. Gross margin was down uh, slightly, uh, which was... Uh, a disappointment coming mainly out of, uh, of cement. EBITDA uh, up uh, 5%. And uh, if you look at the bottom line, we are up uh, uh, from 74 million to 635 in profit for the group. Um, and then uh, if you look at the number of employees, despite having more order intake and more revenue, we managed to reduce the number of employees. So uh, the volume coming through each employee is uh, on average higher. If we look into uh, the cash flow statement, this is clearly a, a very disappointing number for us and uh, something that we, uh, we are taking very seriously. Uh, let us start from the bottom here. Uh, if you look at uh, the lowest line, you can see uh, where the, the main explanation comes from. It's our discontinued operations where we had a cash outflow of uh, more than half a billion. Uh, the explanations for this is uh, that we had uh, a low EBITDA we had uh, an increase in working capital. Uh, the increase in ca working capital uh, comes mainly from the usage of uh, prepayments that we had in, uh, in this business, where we stopped to take in new orders. And then, of course, as you execute the backlog, you uh, consume cash. So, uh, so that's uh, quite a natural thing in, uh, in that part of the business. And then we had uh, a settlement of an old legacy project uh, that we flagged in the annual report last year that cost us more than... 200 million in cash outflow. If, uh, if we look at our continuing activities, we are slightly lower than last year, um, and uh, that uh, comes mainly from working capital and uh, slightly slight usage of uh, provisions, and we'll get back to, uh, to the cash flow later on. If we look at revenue, we had a, a good pickup towards the end of the year. Um, what you also see is that order intake was lower than revenue in, in the fourth quarter, uh, and this mainly comes from uh, the lack of big projects in, in cement. Uh, if you look uh, on the other components, then uh, uh, no warning lights there, so, uh, so we expect this number to, uh, to get back, uh, or the order intake to, 
to increase again as we move into 2019. If you look into the two divisions, we had uh, growth in mining of 17% and we had uh, a reduction in, uh, in cement of, uh, of 1%. Gross margin was 24.1 in the quarter four versus 25% in the year before. If you look into the two industries, you can easily see what the explanation is. Good performance in mining. And uh, in cement, we were down uh, 4% compared to the same period last year. It should be mentioned that the comparison period last year was uh, higher than normal, so, uh, so the deviation in the fourth quarter is less than what it looks like on, uh, on this picture. Uh, what drives the low uh, profitability in the fourth quarter is uh, that we had quite a, a large volume of EPC uh, project coming through, and uh, you may know that uh, the construction part in the EPC project generates uh, very low margin, so, so that's one explanation. The other one is that our O&M business is to a large extent uh, directed to some uh, North African countries where uh, the macroeconomic uh, circumstances deteriorated and therefore we have uh, taken some provisions to, uh, to, mit, uh, to, uh, to offset this, uh, this pressure we have from, from a more difficult market. Uh, it's important to say that uh, when we look into mining that uh, we increased the margin uh, and of course uh, this is despite having more project revenue uh, and the w reason why it went up is that we, uh, our mining organization had a more success in utilizing our resources in the fourth quarter. As we look into 2019, we, uh, we do expect there to be uh, some pressure on gross margin in, uh, in mining as we start to get more project uh, into our revenue. Uh, so, uh, so slightly down, but mainly due to mix, not due to deteriorating margins in the various parts of our revenue. SDNA cost is as per plan. Um, we managed to keep our SDNA cost despite having significantly more order intake uh, during the year. So, uh, so we absorbed the extra proposal costs and, uh, and we do, uh, do see good uh, efficiencies coming out of our digitalization efforts. Um, but we are, of course, also investing more in, in digitalization, so that's uh, also increasing our cost a little bit. But in general, we are quite uh, pleased with the SGNA cost, and uh, the percentage uh, SGNA compared to revenue is the lowest that it's been for quite a while. The EBITDA was uh, 9.4, the same uh, as last year. Uh, when you look into the bridge, you can see that we increased the absolute amount of EBITDA compared to last year. The improvement is primarily driven by more revenue, and then we had uh, the lower uh, gross margin coming from cement. Uh, it's also worth mentioning that in special items, uh, we had uh, an, in uh, an, an income last year of 50 million due to bad will from an acquisition. So uh, that, of course, improved the result in 17, and we couldn't repeat that in in 18. And when you look into working capital, uh, it's of course uh, important to remember that um, that at the year end, uh, as we sold uh, our discontinued uh, activities, um, what remains with us is no longer held for sale, and therefore we uh, we took it out of asset held for sale and put it back on the balance sheet, and that adds 100, 172 million in networking capital. Uh, from our asset sales for sale uh, to our balance sheet, which we do not have in the beginning of the of the year, so um, that improve uh, that uh, adds 172 million to networking capital. Uh, apart from that, we had a, a substantial increase in inventory during the year, uh, mainly related to our mining activities. Um, and apart from that, a lot of the other items are related to more volume uh, running through our books. So. Inventory up, and uh, a number we'll have a, keep a close eye on as we move into 2019. Capital structure remains strong. We are at uh, 36%, uh, sorry, 38% uh, equity ratio, so well above our target. Uh, net debt to EBITDA is at 1.1. Uh, of course, uh, when you look at the absolute amount of uh, net debt, we are uh, at a constant level for the last uh, three quarters where we were uh, expecting uh, a more favorable outcome, uh, but due to the uh, lack of free cash flow, we didn't reduce our debt as we had uh, planned to do. On return on capital employed, uh, 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 improvement of 0.6% uh, compared to last year. 
Uh, we do expect to see an improvement in this number as we move into 19, uh, mainly driven by the higher volume and the higher margin. So the absolute amount of EBITDA that comes out of uh, our business will increase uh, substantially in, in 19, and that is what is driving a higher expectation on the return on caps employed. And with that, I'll hand back to you, Thomas. Thank you, Lars. So from now on, uh, we will report each quarter on our sustainability footprint. It is actually nothing new. You only get more information of that, what we already do. And here you have a portfolio of KPIs, what we reported before or where we are going more into details, looking ahead. Before I go into the figures, it is hopefully clear that um, a productivity provider in cement and in mining, of course, with everything what we innovate, what we do, always targets to get the cost for our customers, the profit for our customers up through better utilization of that what is installed and operated on, no matter if it's energy cost or better utilization of resources, reducing water and to reutilize water in a process. I can go the whole line on, but the sustainability agenda is actually a part of, of our DNA for more than 130 years. Let us look into some of these KPIs. One is shown here that we are quite significantly down in the carbon um, exposure of our own activities, despite significant higher activities, what you see in order intake, as well as in revenue. We report on so-called whistleblower cases to give you a glimpse on that, what we do in compliance, and to show that we are open and transparent with all activities what we do, not only from inside, from outside too. Then in the middle part, lower part, you see again our safety measurement where I talked at the beginning of the presentation about it. But on the right side, this is the what we think the not positive spot where we are in. We simply are not having enough Females in the company, especially female managers, and our target, what we had and the ratio what we had the year before, went actually slowly down. And it is part of the management's agenda and high in the focus to turn that in the next few years. You will definitely hear more from us about it. On the positive side, we are rated AA in the ESG performance rating for sustainability the highest is a triple A, and we clearly, with having that rating, show that we have a very good position in the sustainability. Out of that, I would like to come to the management agenda. And I have to say, it is a little bit more difficult uh, this time because our cash flow is not satisfying. That is what Lars and myself clearly said, no matter that we can explain that. Um, but to manage the cycle, which means for us, customer cost and cash is important. Customer, we are well positioned all over the world. Cost, we have fairly good under control, as it was outlined by Lars, but the cash was not satisfying. When we then look into the different KPIs, what we have for the quarter four, return on capital employed is up, order intake by the lag, and the slip over of larger announcement in cement into the quarter 119 didn't live up to that what we had the year before. EBITDA is a flat line on it. Networking capital moved up. Our safety as well as our DIFOT, our quality indicator towards our customers actually are better than at the end of 2017. We stay and stick with our strategic focus areas which is, of course, clearly number one on customers, on innovation and digitalization, which ask for investments, on people and the sustainability part. Our short-term targets regarding standardization, getting procurement optimized, will not go away. We grew and we will grow further our products and we will that what we promised to the market to have more than 10% where parts at the end of 2019 in our aftermarket business definitely fulfill. 
Out of that, we would like to show the annual result in a so-called historical perspective. We start here, left mining right cement from 2004 on up to 2018, and you see the revenue order intake and the red line which reflects the EBITDA. You see that mining is coming out since 2016 quite strong back on a good EBITDA level and going in the right direction when especially the revenue is a little bit lagging behind that what we saw in order intake, which definitely will come in a better shape for 2019 regarding the revenue. If we then look on the right side cement, you see that we were in the last three years, actually since several years on a flat or downwards trend, what we of course don't like. And as we communicated before, Despite the fact that we have a good hit rate on that, what we quote on and where we work with customers, especially especially on smaller and products um, for the cement industry, our profitability is not satisfying where we already announced in quarter three to take uh, the right steps, which we have, of course, as cost in the fourth quarter, to improve profitability. Both is seen, of course, that the next year, uh, will show a higher profitability for the company. Here you have the slide regarding the guidance. And you see on the right side that the guidance for 2019 on the revenue side is 19 to 21 billion DKK, where the 19 is higher than the achieved realized revenue in 2018. Similar situation in the profitability, 8.5% realized in 2018. We guide 9 to 10%, and the return on capital employed as a result out of the three elements, 12 to 14%. When we look into mining and cement in that, we have actually the situation, if I describe it in a nutshell, that mining is a good ongoing business, and cement, the improvements will come out of own activities. We expect a higher revenue in mining out of the capital business in 2019, and we have a healthy backlog, and we see what we get in what we got already in the order intake and what we will realize in uh, 2019. When we have in cement a, st a stable business to the market activities and, of course, the improvement in the EBITDA based on the own activities. On top of it, we have and we will have an increased investment in innovation and digitalization and not to forget further going on into salespeople and service people still to go into what we call the white spots areas, customers where we are not offering at all or all our services and products what we have. Out of that, I would like to summarize uh, the key highlights for the uh, year 2018. Strongest order intake in six years, positive trend in the mining industry, stable outlook for cement, of course, the uncertainty of the macro which surrounded it, and in the quarter, strong performance of mining, the efficiency in cement, the profitability has to come up, weak cash flow, low cash flow in the year which is not satisfying, and the guidance, which is, um, from our point of view, calculating in the macro uncertainty, the situation in cement and mining, as well as what we have as a plan to invest into the company. Out of that, I would like to open for Q&A on our annual result of 2018. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a question for the speakers, please press zero one on your telephone keypad and you enter a queue. After you are announced, please ask your question. We have a question from Johan Ellison from Kepler Chevrolet. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Yes, hello. It's Johan here. A question on... on um the discontinued operations and the weak cash flow. Now you sold it, but you retain all the risks with the uh, existing projects, which I understand is another two years in the running. Um, if if those projects go as as you planned, uh, what magnitude of 
cash flow should we expect from those uh, projects? Is it neutral or positive or already today expected to be negative? Thank you. Thanks a lot. At first, um, uh, of course, you say we uh, maintain all the risk. What is the situation? We were at the end of the year succeeding significant better in the discontinued business to go on and finalizing the ongoing projects. Uh, we are over 90 very high in the finalization of these projects. And of course, we keep then these projects in our control. Uh, not only that customers would not uh, agree to it if you have a 95, 96% finalized project to give it then to a new company. Um, it has to do that we know these projects very well and that we proceed very well and that we are in control for that and that at the end of the year, these projects were 100% done. So, of course... By the nature of this project and our ex experience out of the uh, more than 10 years in that business, uh, there is a risk uh, built in, and that is what we provided for. Yeah, and uh, so if you look at the backlog we have in Discontinued, it's, uh, there is no more revenue expected to come through. Uh, we have uh, a, a positive uh, working capital balance there, so that means we have uh, both WIP assets and accounts receivables. Uh, that are more or less in the same amount as our provisions. So, uh, so as we go into the next couple of years and uh, and we finalize uh, what you can say, uh, or we close the projects, uh, the cash flow should be fairly neutral from this. So uh, there may be some smaller timing differences, but uh, but not uh, not a big cash outflow expected from that as we go forward. Excellent, thank you. And <clears throat> just on. Um on cement again, you, you talk about a tough situation on, on big projects. Um, do you have a pipeline of, of big projects out there and, and where are they related in, in, in that case? Geography, I mean. Yeah, at first the pipeline looks uh, similar as before. You saw the two announcements, what we did. Uh, we have a very good hit rate, a very high hit rate in the premium part. Um, if it comes to the bigger projects, um, we don't see a change of the pricing pressure in it. Um, what we should not forget, uh, we always talk, and I understand that, a lot about the big projects. But the majority of our business is actually on products, on smaller, um, smaller orders, smaller projects, and aftermarket where we have a very, very good business. Actually, both in mining as well as in cement. Again, the order intake in the fourth quarter, quarter when you look into with uh, minus 33%, of course, looks not nice. But when you would repeat such a large order, what we had at the end of 17, it looks actually not that bad. So from that point of view, we are not concerned about the business outlook for cement. And we are positive on the measurements, what we took internally, that we will get the profitability up. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes to the line of Klaus Almer from Nodea. Please go ahead. Thank you. We have also a few questions from my side. Uh, the first question goes to the quality of your backlog. If you look at both Q3 and Q4 in 18, you saw some delays. Uh, can you give an update on what happened actually in Q4 and how solid is your prediction of what of the backlog that will be recognized as revenue in 19? That will be the first question. Yeah, we have a very good view on that, what we can realize in 2019. So what happened uh, actually last year? Yes, we saw that um, the revenue out of order intake, what we got, took longer than in the cycle before. And we explained it with uh, clear comments regarding environmental uh, authorities and approvals and some other uh, related issues if the infrastructure is not done based on some environmental uh, permits which had to be fulfilled after they got the overall approval on mine sites. That, of course, delays then the delivery. And then we came into the situation that we had a very, very high activity level in the mid of December up to the end of December to supply a lot, actually in continued as well as discontinued business uh, was traumatic high, we have to say that. And what do we see then forward going? 
Uh, from our point, we have no issue with the supply. It's not, uh, we are not a bottleneck in that thing. And we see and we predict now better because the projects are more advanced how the construction and the infrastructure on these sites are to supply our equipment in. And with that, we have a very dedicated view on our revenue recognition out of the order book for 2019. And when you look into the, the guidance for 2019, we have actually in the report written that uh, where we last year expected 75% of the backlog to convert, that 70% will convert in 2019. So we have taken uh, these, what you can say, uh, the fact that things move a little bit slower is already included in the guidance. Sure, and that would actually be my, my, my next question. If you do the math and then looking at uh, your backlog for delivery the same year, so what you're going to, to deliver in 2019 compared to, to last year is 1.3 billion up, equal to mid-range of your, your guidance range. So maybe you could put some flavor to in and out orders expected in 2019. Uh, should we expect it to go down or should we expect it to grow year over year? What's the uh, situation there? Uh, yeah, I think what we, uh, if you uh, if you just do the math as uh, as I said before, you take the backlog and you use the conversion rates, uh, and then you say we have a stable level of. Uh, of in and outs, you get extremely close to the midpoint of the guidance. So our expectations for book and bill, so orders that comes in in 2019 and converts into revenue, we're only expecting a slight increase compared to, uh, to 2018. Which, exactly. in so all, all fairness, we have to say that reflects, of course, what we see in the macroeconomics too. Because we have a situation that... Um, we have, uh, in, especially in the mining business, actually a stable situation, a good situation. A lot of uh, cash available. Dividends are getting paid on a very high level from our customers in mining. We have a big need for new technologies, new innovation. And, of course, when you see what happened on Friday last week in Brazil, that ask for new technologies where we are a good provider for. But... Then we have around a macroeconomics, which gets more and more negative when we look into it, which we don't see and feel in the mining industry. But we have to take that into consideration because as longer that take, it will then anytime hit uh, the mining industry too. Okay, thanks. Our next question comes to the line of Lars Popon from Carnegie. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Uh, yes, uh, hello, guys. Uh, on my side, also a question to, to, to the cash flow, more looking into 2019, because you, you, of course, explained that when activity picks up, clearly some of the constituents of working capital will also increase. But does that mean that if we are looking at a scenario with growing revenue in the coming years, we should expect uh, a, a further constant cash outflow from working capital, or how do you see that? Uh, more specifically, can you offer any kind of guidance on the total free cash flow for 2019? And, and thirdly, uh, Tom, and you both mentioned directly the cash flow was not satisfactory. Can you try to explain what uh, you can actively do to uh, improve it? Thank you. Yeah, <clears throat> so uh, when we look into uh, to 2019, we, uh, we of course see that the, the, vol the business that we are taking in is more project-related, which, uh, which will reduce the amount of, of working capital we have in, in our business. Uh, on the other hand, we have a big initiative to drive up our aftermarket. And, of course, the aftermarket growth will drive higher working capital, uh, but also coming with higher margins. So... As we look into the next couple of years, it depends on where the growth comes from. If it continues to be more project business, we should see a stable or declining level of working capital. Uh, and if it's more aftermarket, then we should uh, see increasing working capital. Um, I think it's also important to note that where we end the year and where we are on the facing of individual projects has really a big uh, impact on, on the cash flow in, uh, in a year. Uh, as you know, there are... Uh, uh, very big milestone payments on projects and whether you hit them uh, 
just before or after a, a quarter end uh, has a big impact on, on the cash flow. So as we look into uh, to 19, uh, our ambition is that we should have uh, a stronger, uh, what you can say, uh, uh, impact from working capital uh, during 19 than we had in, in 18. Stronger impact, is that positive or negative? Yes. <laughs> stronger impact means that our working capital is lower when we end 2019 than when we entered it. Okay. So a positive impact on the cash flow statement from working capital. Maybe to give a, a little bit business flavor around that, uh, what we see in the last few quarters since mining uh, business especially uh, comes back, uh, we see actually an increase in capital share, which, as last said, um, consumes significant less networking capital and has uh, advanced payments, what you normally don't have in the aftermarket business. So that is, um, uh, that is the positive element uh, in that. Then we look into the cement part. We see that uh, cement uh, is actually uh, stable in, in, if it comes to top line. Of course, some variations up and down. We have a good hit rate. We are, of course, and um, I'm very specific here, uh, in a better position when you have your cost uh, really under control and you drive your EBITDA improvement out of your own house, you don't need to go for any deal at any conditions, which includes advanced payments too. So we see the sentiment for the cash generation for our company um, then uh, back on track uh, as it should be and uh, taking the year 2018 in a box and forget about it because it was not a good performance. We know that. And then another question, if I may, because uh, also according to your cash flow statements, uh, reversal of permissions, provisions is a big swing from 17 to 18. Uh, just to make it completely clear, how, how are reported earnings affected by uh, reversal of provisions? Yeah, um, that is, of course, a, a very technical explanation because the way we... Uh, use provisions is the business is that we looked project by project and we build up uh, provisions as we uh, execute a, uh, a project uh, and then we're finished with the project we have a, a big warranty provision uh, at the end of it uh, and then uh, once we get out of the warranty period we, uh, we reverse these uh, these provisions so uh, so it's all built up from the bottom and uh, and we of course ensure that what we on individual projects have the right level of provisions uh, so, um, so I think it's uh, it's clear from uh, from our numbers that uh, that we uh, we had we paid out provisions during 2018. Uh, so, uh, so that of course has uh, what you can say. Um, maybe you will say that it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, the quality of our earnings is is lower than that. But it really is a bottom-up process where over time uh, there's not a big impact from from provisions. But, but, but specifically in 18, so, so if you uh, are able to free up onto provisions of 100 million just to take a number, would that improve your gross profit by 100 million? Or how should I see that? Uh, so if we reduce the warranty provisions that are related to, uh, to our projects, that would uh, improve our profits. Um, but on the other hand, we also make big provisions on, on projects. So you have, uh, you have both movements in uh, in our gross, uh, gross profit. And I think it's, uh, if I look into fourth quarter, in particular on cement, we made uh, quite substantial provisions for, for some parts of our business. Uh, we also made, uh, built up provisions, uh, sorry, reversed some provisions where we are out of the warranty period. So, uh, so, uh, so I think that's, uh, it's not a big movement and, uh, and it really is driven project by project. But, but if, if the sum of provisions made, provisions used, and provision reversed is a positive number, wouldn't that imply that it, it boosted your reported earnings? Or am I just that, that's not the case. If I look into the fourth quarter, we actually added as many provisions as we used and reversed, so, so that number is, is close to zero. And I asked for, 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 the, for, for, for the full year. Uh, for the full year, we uh, we did uh, reverse more provision than we uh, we built up. So of course that has an, an impact. Uh, 
uh, on our numbers. And how big was that? Uh, that was, uh, let me just uh, find the numbers, uh, um, around 300 million. But I mean, I would... Uh, and that, that so, so, so 300 million of EBITDA is basically... You, you can't uh, calculate like that, uh, Lars, because... Uh, because it's all coming uh, into uh, our books project by project and uh, and uh, the pnl so like explains what is the net of all these numbers yeah that, 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 no, no, i'm not at all questioning the earnings you report i'm, I'm just uh, i guess I'm, I'm questioning the the quality of those earnings and maybe wishing if if when you guide you you could guide a little bit on earnings quality also and, and of course, I'm coming from a situation where I've been bullish and your cash flow is horrible. So, so can you do anything to help naive people like myself from getting disappointed going forward? Uh, yeah, I mean, we can, uh, we can, of course, be more explicit on, on the provisions. But I would say it's, it's a number that goes up and down from quarter to quarter. And if you go into uh, to note 2.5 in our, in our annual report, you can see that the warranty provisions, uh, the additions and the reversals are exactly the same uh, over the year. So, uh, so um, I'm not certain how, um, uh, how that really impacts. It's, it's true that the, the overall amount of provisions uh, is reduced during the year, but um, yeah. Uh, it's a key number for us to make certain that we generate cash flow, and of course, uh, that's, that's the primary focus for for the way we run the business. And then my question on the cash flow, on the working capital, on what you can actively do to, to optimize it. I mean, one thing is, of course, the dynamics in your business where change in product mix can can have an impact. Is there anything else you can do, you know, to collect receivables faster or optimize inventories or... Are those items simply a, a function of, of, of the product mix? The, maybe to explain that with the networking capital here. The, we have an inventory increase based on more business out in the different areas in the world to get aftermarket. So that's, that's one thing. Uh, and we have uh, a quite high turn rate. So we didn't increase inventory long-term items, only short-term items. Actually, the, the whole inventory level with long-term items is significantly down over the year 2018. Then we look into uh, what we have with the WIP uh, in the business. We see with some of the delays on customer side and how we can supply and where we are then with our equipment in front of the gate. Um, that, that, of course, is in, uh, from our point of view um, easier to manage by now seeing um, the, all the delays on the ongoing projects from the customer side, where we see where we change the milestones with the customer, so that we, with our sub suppliers, um, produce exactly on timing spot. I give an example: if you undersign a contract with an LD with a penalty on it that 10% of the contract value that you are, let us say, late uh, in delivery. And then the customer change uh, a week before the delivery, the date, that's, of course, not good for anything, especially not for the networking capital. So we went through uh, the last two quarters, very much through every single deal what we have, where it really makes an impact, and redefined these deliveries. That is what we can impact. Then uh, accounts receivables, we have, as you know, if you have such a run, which was uh, especially in the second half of December quite traumatic, the accounts receivables go up, and these are short-term accounts receivables. Our long-term accounts receivables are so traumatic down that we are actually quite proud of that, what we have in the books. So that will come in. Um, so overall, um, that what we directly regulate um, looks quite good controlled for 19. And then on top of it, we have the advanced payments and the trade payables. If we look, and there I come back to cement, um, if you are not forced to take what we really don't want to be, orders at any risk and so on, then uh, advanced payments suffer too. And we are out of uh, any risk by having cost and uh, internal measurement to improve uh, profitability. 
And that will have a positive effect on in that area too. So all over, we are actually quite confident to have the ratio for networking capital back there where it should be, and that means single digit and not double digit. So that's with the with the uh, networking capital. That's an excellent answer, Thomas. Thank you very much, and thanks for taking my questions. No, thank you, Lars. Thank you. Our next question comes to the line of Andrew Wilson from J.P. Morgan. Please go ahead. Hi, good afternoon, everyone. Um, I just have a few questions, please. On the the mining, um, the commentary on mining equipment, Thomas, um, it sort of feels like the the underlying comments that you're making with regards to where customers' mindsets are is is more positive than perhaps the overall guide in terms of mining equipment being stable. Can you just kind of give us a bit more detail in terms of your thought process around that and just how much of the the macro uncertainty is affecting that guide versus what you're actually seeing on the ground? Uh, Andrew, that's a very good question. Um, You know that I'm, uh, if it comes to outlook, uh, a brutal conservative person. That's uh, uh, based on experience uh, what, what you get. So what is the situation what we have? We have uh, in the world, I take copper as an example, we have not big deposits coming online enough. We have an increase in copper utilization where a lot of countries, China included, US included, actually name that they will have a higher copper consumption. We see that the stocks for copper produced is dropping since June. That's the situation what we have. Our customers have a good cash flow, pay good dividend. We see the need for replacement. We see the need for investment. And on top of it, we have events out in the world, very negative ones like last week, which really will trigger the utilization of more new technologies. And on all top of that, digitalization comes in. So that sounds, when you take that isolated, actually quite positive. So what is it then that we are not more positive in the writing? At first, we know, and we said that for years, a recovery in mining goes in small steps. Yes, we had some quarter or one quarter with more than 100% growth in order intake, but we came from a very low level. We are now on a new level. So the growth, what we will show, is more in the, it's definitely in the lower range because we come from a higher level. The second thing, which is the unpredictable part in it, is this macro uncertainty. And please don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of negative talk which is surrounding the mining industry where we don't see it really in the mining industry, only a little bit here and there, what you always have. But we know if that goes on, this negative sentiment, this talking down all over, and then, of course, filled with uh, real figures out of production rates in China and so on, it will any time hit the mining industry. And that explains uh, de facto in a good mood Good performance in mining in 18, actually solid performance in quarter 4-2 if we look into the uh, how the orders are built up and the profitability. Gives us a little bit of pressure to be, from the tone, more modest. And you see that we, that we have a two-sided message in it, modest, positive outlook for mining, which is for all native English speaker, they smile and say that is definitely creation out of the continent and not out of Britain. So that, I hope, describes it where we are. What does it mean? And that's then the finalization from my point on it, is you see it in the range of the, of the revenue guidance, the 19 to uh, 21, and you see it actually in the profitability, the 9 to 10 too. So we, we took that as much as we can evaluate and hopefully known for it into account for the guidance. That's very clear, Thomas. Thank you. If I can, just on the, the other part of the guidance, I um, appreciate that you don't guide on a divisional basis um, in terms of minerals and cement, but perhaps we can talk about some of the moving parts and just make sure I, I think I understand the development. If you if you look at the, the minerals business, essentially the, the positives are the volume, um, 
you've got the volume and, and if you're doing any sort of cost activity as well, if you could flag that and then you have an offset from mix and investment, which you've talked about. On the cement side, is it relatively straightforward in terms of the stable market plus the internal actions um, that you're talking about in terms of the cost reduction? Just trying to, to get an understanding of the moving part to me is, is fun for Lars as well. So maybe we, if we sort of like make the, the, the bridge from, uh, from 18 to 19, we do see a, a pickup in revenue uh, primarily coming from big projects in mining. Uh, so you can add that with a margin uh, that is uh, slightly lower than the group average uh, or uh, a little bit, yeah, uh, a little bit below group average uh, with the group average is 25%. And, uh, and last year you could see what the, the margins were in big projects in, uh, in mining. Um, and then we have, uh, so that's one part of the bridge. Um, we do expect uh, an increase in the EBITDA margin in cement, but not a lot of revenue growth. Uh, so, so that's another uh, driver in that. And then we expect to spend uh, more money on uh, innovation and digitalization, as well as uh, a smaller amount of money on on sales cost. And if you take the two box, uh, two uh, two parts, uh, two last parts, so the innovation and uh, sales cost. Uh, that's around 100 million. We expect to increase uh, the spend on those two items. Sorry, just to clarify that it's an additional 100 million on investment and innovation. And uh, salespeople, and where we uh, we want to cover the places where we don't have enough salespeople to sell all our additional products. Additional salespeople. Yeah. Perfect. Um, and if I can just ask one final question, which is, um, it's just really to clarify a, an earlier comment. On the, the net working capital, we're expecting the working capital line in the cash flow for 2019 to be a positive. Did I understand that correctly? Yes. We Perfect. are on a Thank not satisfying much. 12x percent net working capital. This is not good. We have to be below the 10 and we will go there. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes to the line of Robert Davis from Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead. Uh, yes, morning. Uh, thanks for uh, taking my, uh, my questions. Um, just a couple for me. Um, first one was just maybe you could give us a little more um, color on the regional trends in the cement market. Um, and some of the internal measures you were maybe talking about um, bringing the cement margins higher, other, other than sort of various sort of changes in mix. So maybe just a little more color on the cement business, if you could. Um, and then the other one was just on the um, the step up in sort of digitalization spend or R&D. Can you kind of quantify roughly this sort of split of what you are going to spend next year on digitalization relative to this year and, and the same for R&D? Thanks. Good. I take that with cement. Uh, uh, the, I start with that. Um, when you look into cement, it's, of course, a local business. It's not really a regional business. It's more a country-related and in bigger countries than an area business. Um, we have countries like uh, India performing very well. And then you go a little bit to the south, to southeast uh, Asian countries. They are not performing well at all in that. So it's a very local, very local business. Um, how do we see it in the world? Um, we actually track... Uh, a lot of indicators for all the countries, and we have roughly 200, how they perform and how their potential is. And we have some key indicators where we know where we have to go in uh, stronger to offer our services and everything what we have to capture that upcoming uh, cement growth. Um, that gives then a world map where you have then countries, I take uh, in Latin America, Paraguay, getting out of uh, what we call a red which means not a lot of cement initiatives into very quick into green, and we got an order. So that's, um, that's the way how we act. When we then look where is it at the moment where we have um, good cement activities uh, ongoing, we see the well-developed markets, uh, markets like uh, the United States or Western Europe in the aftermarket part actually performing well. And then we see other markets like in India, uh, Philippines, um, some countries in Latin America, um, Nepal, Bangladesh, uh, and so on, performing on new lines, bigger investments, or a lot on equipment quite well. So, and our cement organization is very good in getting these orders in, and we see a decreasing dependency 
of Effel Schmidt Cement Business on large orders, which is good, which is healthy for um, the sentiment, uh, so that we don't have this extreme up and down over a cycle, as well as for the profitability. Then, what are we doing to increase the margin? We reduced, despite getting orders, we reduced the cost base significantly. Of course, it hit the cost in the fourth quarter. We reduce our uh, exposure in operation and maintenance in countries where we see that the political environment makes it us difficult to generate enough profit. And we provided for that. And we look and we work uh, with that O&M strategy, of course, into areas where these political things are more stable over a longer period of time to reduce risk. Last but not least, we have um, as a company, not only for cement, for mining too, a standardization and procurement initiative now ongoing for several years where we really get a lot of return out of it. And not only from a cost point of view, from a competence and a competition point of view too, because we are able to deliver very fast or faster than before uh, our products and services and complete plants. And that has, of course, a profit impact too. All together, with all these internal uh, measurements and activities, what we do, what we call efficiency improvement, step number two, uh, will definitely bring us a higher profitability for 2019 than we saw not very satisfying in 2018. And, and then uh, the last question, which was around the, the spend we have on R&D and digital. Um, uh, we see this actually as uh, as one bucket because a lot of the innovations we have on uh, on our products are including a digital component. So to, to split them out in two different uh, buckets uh, will not be possible and doesn't really make sense. So uh, we expect to spend around uh, 50 and 100 million more in, uh, in R&D and digitalization initiatives uh, in 2019. Okay, that's great. Uh, thanks for the additional color. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes to the line of Klaus All from New Credit Markets. Please go ahead. Yes, hello. Um, three uh, questions from my side. Um, first of all, a very simple question. Um, your networking capital, as you have highlighted a couple of times, is, is not that satisfactory. But is that uh, part of your uh, bonus scheme for 2019? Yes, it's uh, actually 50% of our long-term incentive scheme, as well as uh, it's a substantial pro uh, proportion of, uh, of the short-term incentive scheme, which sure. it has been for the last couple of years, too. <laughs> okay, excellent. And then um, on your provisions, um, as far as I remember, you made a quite large provision uh, related to the discontinued operations in 2017. And just to be sure, the change of these 300 million that I can see in your balance sheet, um, the provisions for, for the discontinued operations, are they included in that or are they somewhere, somewhere else? So if you if you look at uh, 2.5 in uh, in the annual accounts, you can see that there is a line that is called uh, transfer from asset held to sale, and that's uh, that's where the but you can say the remaining balance of uh, of the provisions from discount goes into uh, continuing activities. And uh, and it's true what you said that we made a provision in 2017 that paid out in 2018. Uh, in the cash flow statement, uh, we had, uh, I think it was around 350 million cash out, of which uh, more than 200 million was related to that discontinuing, uh, that old case we had in discontinuing activities. Okay. Okay. Right. Then my final question, um, Thomas, you referred to, to this uh, accident in uh, Brazil a couple of times, a couple of times. Um, and I was just wondering, you have this uh, dry stack uh, tailing technology. Um, could you give us a general update on, on, on this project and this technology? And could this technology actually have done a difference in, in the accident in Brazil this weekend? Yeah, I will comment on that, what the technology delivers. Uh, we are um, the one who has everything in-house to deliver dry stack tailings. Dry stack tailings means you take wet tailings, 
you transport them, you filter them out, you make a water recovery, and you can take then the dry tailings, which where you still have some percentage of uh, liquid in it, and you can stock them and building a kind of a hill or a mountain where you don't need then a tailing stem. The, um, we, we had an activity and we have an activity with, the, with a uh, Canadian company, Gold Corp, where we invented eco-tails, where we mix overburden with tailings um, out of several reasons. One was to stabilize such a tailing stocking in a very positive way. And we know how to build mountains. Uh, not only uh, miners are always blamed, you make big holes into, uh, into our nice earth. Uh, I guarantee you we are as good in building mountains with it. So that's the technology what we have. There are actually videos available on YouTube about it, uh, triggered by our uh, dear customer Gold Corp, which is good to see. It's very, very good in, in that. And then uh, regarding any tailing stem uh, incident and how it's with tailing stem, we are not involved at all in building or judging or measuring tailing stems. That's totally out of our uh, of our uh, possibility of judgment. So out of that, uh, we we can't and we don't want to to judge that. That should be done by experts. We are not an expert in tailing stems at all. Okay, but are you seeing an increased uh, focus on this uh, technology? Because I guess the issue has been there for quite a while and now it has just been uh, exaggerated in, in, in Brazil this weekend. Um, um, it, of course, it's a horrible uh, accident what happened in Brazil. That's number one. Uh, and it's shock, shock waves. Um, that's clear. But, and that's the but in it, um, we talk here about a new technology which has more elements than, than one area. It, here it goes about water recovery, energy, um, uh, utilization of energy in a different way to get uh, environmental impact down, to get risk in general down, to get a mindset uh, managed in a different way um, relating to changes in the ore grades and in the way how mindsets have to be built for the future. So this is this is really a big issue, and dry stack tailings is only one of the areas where we do a lot and invest a lot to get to our customers new technologies. We are quite successful in that, as we as I mentioned with one uh, uh, gold customer in in that respect. We have other technologies, uh, rapid oxidative leaching, small events like in cement. We do a lot in in uh, the industry to improve. The, um, the sustainability of the whole of both industries, cement and mining, and that this uh, has as an element the treatment of uh, uh, tailings. That's clear. That's logical. For us, as a, as a leading provider and the leading provider in productivity improvement in that processing area where we operate, this is a given that we work on that. Okay. Thank you. Our next question is a follow-up from Johan Eleson from Kepler Shiver. Please go ahead. Yes, I was just wondering if you could update me again on how you see the purchase price limitations developing going forward and the tax rate for my accounting. Thanks. Yeah, um, we had a 24% a tax rate in uh, in 2018, and uh, the, it was lower than normal uh, as we were able to use some uh, some tax losses that were were written down. Uh, when we look into the future, we are uh, expecting a tax rate that is slightly above 30%. And uh, on the the PPA, we expect that that will drop with uh, around 40 million in 2019. So the amortization from, from that line. Okay, thank you very much. And our final question comes from the line of Jonathan Hanks from Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. 
Hi there, thanks for taking my question. Just a quick one on your outlook for mining aftermarket demand to be kind of flattish. I suppose you've talked a lot in the past about investing in Salesforce to grow the wear parts business. I'm just wondering, uh, you know, are you seeing growth there and to what extent is that offset by other parts of the business if you still expect demand to be flat? Or is it simply a case that's a bit too small at the moment to really make a difference? Thank you. Yeah, at first, if we look into the mining, uh, I agree, of course, if I look quarter on quarter, but if I look over the whole year, we have actually a service order intake change of plus 7% uh, in mining. Um, and we come already from a very strong position. Um, that we have variances in between the quarters is normal. That is uh, nothing, uh, nothing special. Um, our customers, as well as us, were very much focused on sales in the fourth quarter. The talk was mainly about sales to get the things done and in uh, before the uh, and during actually the the vacation period. What do we see? Um, what we what do we see actually ahead uh, in the mining industry? Let us um, go the likely scenario. What we what we have? Then we have a stable uh, aftermarket business for that what we already have with an increasing part for everything what we bring new to the market. When we add salespeople, the salespeople cover, of course, aftermarket too, and will then bring here and there what we call self-propelled growth into our books. Um, then in cement, uh, cement is uh, the situation that we um, have a lot of aftermarket activities, but per ton of cement produced and per plant, the utilization of aftermarket products is significantly lower than in mining because it's a dry process and uh, less abrasive uh, than we have it in the mining industry. Um, out of that, um, movements in cement is more uh, when you see up and down based on if we get a large order and having then huge packages of aftermarket going with the large order, that makes really a difference in a quarter. If you can't repeat that, it looks as it would drop. And last but not least, uh, based on the fact that cement is more a local business and more impacted by uh, political situations in areas, we of course look to uh, sincere, and we do that quite uh, intensively, to de-risk uh, businesses what we have and having less exposures in areas where we think we have not enough control in the future. That hits immediately then after market. So that's the situation. To make a long story short in cement, when we look into the areas where we operate and where we want to operate, we actually have a good growth in cement aftermarket. Thank you very much. Very clear. As there are no further questions, please go ahead, speakers. Okay. So then I would say thanks a lot for all the questions. Thanks a lot for all the uh, uh, participation in our annual 2018 result here out of Copenhagen. We wish you all a safe trip no matter where you are and see you soon. Bye.